Hey friends, welcome to the Her God Story podcast, where you will always hear a good story to encourage and inspire you in your walk with the Lord. I'm your host, Jody Caracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America and International, author and traveler on this journey of faith. If you haven't done so yet, please take a moment to like or follow this podcast on your favorite streaming platform. That way you won't miss any of the amazing stories of my guests. I am so glad you tuned in to hear Mary Nelson's God story. I am particularly fond of this guest because she's my wonderful mom. Not only that, she's the one who introduced me to Jesus and prayed with me through various rough patches in my life. I am so thankful for my praying mom. 1 Corinthians 4.20 tells us that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. My mom, Mary Nelson, has seen and experienced the power of God to transform her life, to protect her from harm, and to change situations. As an Air Force fighter pilot's wife, mother of four, grandmother of 18, and great-grandmother of six, Mary has learned to pray diligently and see victory in spiritual warfare. She models Proverbs 31 with her genuine love for others, her gift of hospitality, and her devotion to the Lord. Welcome, Mom. Hi, Jody. Gosh, thanks for this opportunity to share what God has done in my life. You didn't come to know the Lord until you were 30 years old. Before we get to that, though, tell us a little about your younger years in South Dakota. Well, I was born in a small southeastern South Dakota prairie town that was surrounded by family farms. My dad was a dentist. My mother was an at-home mother, stay-at-home, and our paternal grandmother lived with us when I was growing up. We attended a small Protestant church, went to Sunday school when we were young, and my dad used to read the Bible to us in the evenings after dinner. He didn't do it all the time, but there was a period of time in my growing up years that he was doing that. One thing that I really enjoyed doing was visiting my maternal grandparents in Sioux Falls. We would go over there for weekends and visit, and I noticed that they always had their Bibles laying next to the chairs that they generally sat in when they were reading. It caught my attention. Another thing that caught my attention was my paternal grandmother would read the Bible in her room in our home. And when I passed her room going to bed at night, I would see her in the bedroom reading the Word of God. Those things were impressions that stayed with me. Another thing I really enjoyed about being in that little town with my family, we were a close family, Um, The church that we went to had a covered dish dinner probably once a month, and it was a a loving group of people with a great loving atmosphere. Although it was more social, I never did really hear much about having a personal relationship with Jesus. So in your teenage years, you met a dashing and daring young man and got married when you were just 18 years old, and that started a life of adventure that's taken you literally around the world. What were those initial steps away from home? Well, after we got married, we moved to Brookings, South Dakota, where we both attended South Dakota State College. He had already uh, gone to school there for a year. South Dakota State was a land-grant college, so it required the males to attend two years of ROTC. Dad liked ROTC and the thought of possibly flying an airplane, so he continued on with the last two years of ROTC, when he completed that and graduated from college, he was commissioned into the Air Force and got a slot in flight training school. After that, we moved to 
Texas. But actually, during that time, I completed two years of college, but also had the first two children in our family. So you were young, married, two kids, and moved away from home, far away from home. In fact, after college, you were in Texas for a short time for pilot training, and then on to Florida, where incidentally, I was born. So now you had three young children and a husband who was at the time headed to Vietnam to fly fighter missions. That must have been a struggle. What what did you go through? Vietnam was a, a terrible war. Well, it was. And actually, when we moved to Tampa, the squadron that Gary moved into was a active duty fighter squadron that was heading for Vietnam. So prior to him leaving, we purchased a home. You children and I stayed in that home during the year that he was in Vietnam. This was really the first time I had been that far away from my parents and from that support system. Actually, after he left, during the night one night, I heard somebody try to break into our house. So we happened to have an Air Force pilot and his wife that lived right next door to us. So I called them and let them know that someone was trying to get into the house. And the pilot came over, checked things out. And after that, days after that, he made sure that there were light outdoor lights put around the perimeter of the house just to keep things bright outside. Also during that year, you three children had chicken pox at the same time. You all seemed to have colds, sore throats, and ear infections a lot. In fact, your ears ruptured at one time, and you and Mark ended up having to have your tonsils taken out at the same time. So here we were, all living in Florida, away from family, dad gone, and I had to go through this experience with you which was a bit scary. Yeah, at the same time. I mean, you had friends, I mean, people in dad's squadron that didn't make it through Vietnam. There were families that you knew that were receiving bad news. Yes. You know, just strike fear in the heart of a young mom. Yes, there were several pilots that were shot down and killed, and their wives and children were living in Tampa at that time. In fact, a friend of mine lost her husband because of the... Uh, an aircraft being shot down. So I helped her and that was, uh, that was difficult. And I actually developed hives during that time. I guess it was because I was just uh, anxious and kept it inside. But one good thing that I did during that year, I started going to a church. And after the first time I visited this particular church, two women came out to visit me from that congregation and invited us to come back again and to attend their weekly church night supper, which we did do. And it was really peaceful, safe place for us to be during that time. I did not hear the gospel attending that church. They were very nice people, very loving and helpful people. But I was never confronted with or challenged to receive Jesus. I had believed that all roads lead to heaven and that all I had to do was be a good person. That's a prevalent belief out there. Thankfully, Dad survived Vietnam Uh, Then he was assigned to a new base in England. So we moved across the pond and the support system that you had created in Florida was uprooted again. There were a lot of wonderful things about moving to England, but it was also challenging. You had to create a whole new system of friendship and share about that transition and how it started to affect the way you looked at life. Prior to actually even moving to Vietnam, when we were in Florida, when I was living, you know, we were living alone, I used, I had started reading women's liberation things and that started percolating in my mind. 
in my thought process. Then we moved to England. And the first uh, experience we had in England, we lived in a very lovely seaside hotel that was in a fishing village, but it was also a uh, kind of a resort community. So we, I love living there. We lived there for probably the first nine months of the time we were in England. Dad's assignment there was part, one of the responsibilities, he had to sit alert, nuclear alert actually, at the base, and he would be gone for three days and nights at a time. So there I was again, out in the country, basically with you children alone. And actually I was afraid. I had some fears. When we had an opportunity to move on to the base, we did do that. So we had a closer military family to surround us, but there was a lot of socializing that included drinking. And I saw marriages starting to dissolve, you know, families falling apart. And the social atmosphere was very um, formal, something that I wasn't quite used to. You know, things were done very formally when we went to dinners. Dad had gotten us a set of uh, china when he was in Southeast Asia. So we did have china for uh, dinner parties, et cetera, et cetera. But I didn't have silver or crystal like many of the other people did. And of course, you know, there you are pressured by the culture to have such things. So one day I went to the base and saw that silver was on sale. So I ordered a uh, complete set of sterling silver without him knowing it. When it came into the uh, base exchange, I said, hey, there's uh, an order at the base. Would you please go pick it up for me and pay for it? Which he did do to his shock. So there we were with a set of sterling silver that I hadn't even asked him if I could get. And was, I imagine it stretched the budget a little bit because mm. uh, you were still early in your career. Uh, it stretched the budget, but I think it stretched our relationship a bit too. Yeah. <laughs> Things were, they were difficult in England. I mean, you had three young children and a lot of pressures on life that you really weren't used to. And then one day, the husband of a close friend that you developed over there was involved in an airplane accident. By God's grace, he survived, but that started a series of events that changed your life. Yes, actually, um, your dad was flying in a four-ship one day that this particular man was flying in, and they were flying, and I happened to have to take one of your children to the uh, hospital for a slight injury. So I was sitting in the waiting room and happened to see our squadron commander and the flight surgeon very seriously walk past me toward the door. So I knew there'd been an accident, but mm -hmm. I had no idea who or what had happened until later in the day. And I found out this, uh, our friend Chris had been doing a maneuver and his flight controls had jammed. So he had to eject supersonic. And when he did, both arms and both legs had many breaks when he ejected, he actually had no control over his arms and legs. So cried out to God. He was not a Christian. Actually, he was quite a wild party boy. But he cried out to God for help. And he did uh, live through this, but ended up in a complete body cast in a hospital in England. He had a cast from his neck down to his tippy toes. And he was in that cast for at least four months before being transferred to an orthopedic wing at McDill Air Force Base in Tampa. 
But during this four months, his wife would, of course, go visit him. And uh, I would help take care of the children so that she could be free to go. So then they were transferred to Tampa. And by God's divine grace, we were also transferred there. Dad, I actually remember that we thought we were moving to Arizona. As our home goods were pulling away down the driveway, Dad got new orders. He did. From Arizona to Tampa. So we ended up back in the same town as Chris and Laura Mino, and they had a profound impact in in our lives. Yes, actually, Chris went into the hospital. They The doctors took the cast off, the body cast off, and discovered that none of those limbs had broke, had uh, healed. None of the breaks had healed. So Chris started going through a series of surgeries to put uh, rods into those limbs next to the bones to enable the healing process to start. And during that time, while he was in the hospital, a hospital chaplain came in and talked to him. She talked about airplanes, but he also talked to Chris about the Lord. Mm. And Chris received Jesus as his Savior, laying in a hospital bed, visiting with that chaplain and had a tremendous change in his life. During that time, his wife, Laura, had a separate experience with the Lord herself and had received Jesus as her Savior. So when Chris got out of the hospital and was uh, able to get around, they started looking for a church and uh, found a church. So they wanted to share their experience with us. So on Sundays after they left church, they would go get a dozen donuts and come over to our house and visit with us and tell us about their wonderful experiences with the Lord. And I mean, I was just amazed at Chris because he had such been such a hell raiser. And now he had a change of demeanor. He had peace in his life. He didn't swear. There was no foul language coming out of his mouth. And he talked about the love of God. And I thought, whatever he has, I need because I had anger within me. I had fear within me. I couldn't be good, although I was supposed to be a good person. I never felt I could live up to that. So I just wanted what he had. The one day when they were going to church, they invited us to go along. Well, dad happened to be working out at the base that day, actually for the weekend. So you children came along with me. We went to this particular church that was absolutely crowded. There was hardly a seat to be had. And I ended up in the middle of a, a very crowded pew with you children. Well, the pastor gave a very anointed message, and I happened to hear it this time. I'm sure that other messages had been given before, but I just didn't hear them. After he finished his sermon, he gave an altar call, inviting people who wanted to receive Jesus as their personal Savior to come to the altar. So I felt myself absolutely compelled to get up out of my seat and squeeze out of that tight row of people, went down to the altar, knelt down. I repented of my sin. I received Jesus as my personal Savior. And I it was absolutely flooded with peace. Mm. And within a short time of that, everyone in the immediate family put their faith in Christ and were given the gift of uh, speaking in tongues, and things started to change. So share some of the things God did in you once you made that commitment to follow him. 
Well, not long after I received Jesus as my Savior, I really felt like I needed to write to my parents and my in-laws and ask them to forgive me for things I had said and done, attitudes I had, ways I treated them that were not very nice. And I sat down to write letters to each of them. And while I did it, my hands actually trembled. Mm. I don't know what it was, but I was so convicted of telling them what had happened to me and asking for forgiveness that I actually wrote those letters and mailed them. And then one of the wonderful things that happened is that I had this terrible problem with fear, Mm. or actually fear, but also anger. And I prayed about anger and just could not get the victory over it. I, I would be so upset at times that everybody in the household knew it. I made sure of that. <laughs> anyway, one day I went out to visit a friend that was a mature woman in the Lord, and I shared with her about my problem with anger. And she, she discerned that it was a spirit of anger and asked me if I wanted to pray with her. I said, yes. So she prayed with me, commanded that spirit of anger to leave me in the name of Jesus. And I felt something leave my chest, but I also sensed that that fear was gone mm-hmm. and would not come back in Jesus' name. Anger. Anger. Yeah. It was gone. Then I realized that if anger was a spirit, fear could be a spirit as well, because I would be paralyzed with fear at night whenever your dad was gone and I would wake up hearing something, I would just, I would be paralyzed. Mm. I couldn't move, couldn't talk for a period of time. Yeah. So I asked your dad if he would please pray with me about fear, which he did do. He commanded that spirit of fear to leave me in the name of Jesus. And I didn't sense anything happened, but I just trusted that it had to leave in Jesus' name. Not long after that, he was gone again. I had been doing some landscaping and decided I would mulch around the uh, flower beds around our house. So I purchased mulch in bags and brought them home and scattered it all around the foundation of our house. And anyway, that night during the night, after I had done this landscaping, I heard something in the kitchen. And I mean, when I heard that, I wasn't paralyzed. Fear wasn't bothering me. So I got up out of bed, went to the kitchen, flipped the light on. And to my shock, I saw cockroaches running all over the kitchen counter in and out of the uh, stove. It was a shock. Anyway. Yeah, and Florida cockroaches are not small. They are big, water big bugs. things. <laughs> yeah. So I got a can of bug spray, fogged the kitchen, closed the doors, and went back to bed and went to sleep. But the next day I hired an exterminator to come every month. And then another thing that happened to me while your dad was out of the country, our kitchen drain plugged up. Mm-hmm. We had a garbage disposal in the drain, and so I didn't know what to do. I just called a friend of ours, a young man that did some plumbing. And he came by and took the pipes off and showed me the sludge that had been built up inside the pipes. So we went outside together and he washed the pipes out. And then he came back in and put everything back together. And the faucet worked just as good as new. Well, after he left, I started feeling really uncomfortable about what was inside of me. And the Lord was showing me that I had sludge or spiritual sin within me that needed to be cleaned out. And he convicted me of unforgiveness that I had been harboring. And he convicted me of gossiping about people. And those two things were 
things that I had to deal with. I repented and, and finally got the victory over both of them. I could walk in a way where I could forgive people. And I just kept my mouth zipped. I did not gossip. Yeah, that was a little bit of a process. I mean, you repented, but then you had to learn new patterns of of life after that too, didn't you? Yes. Something else that happened. One day, uh, while your dad was still at home with us, he wanted to go to Patrick Air Force Base just for a getaway for the weekend, just so that we could play on the beach and have fun together. Well, uh, this particular day when we were at Patrick Air Force Base, uh, he was out on the sandy beach with you children building uh, sandcastles while I was laying on a blanket sunbathing and reading the Bible. And because I had been reading so much about women's liberation, I had developed this really bad attitude toward men, thought God was a woman hater and Anyway, as I was sitting there reading the Bible, I happened to read a scripture in 2 Corinthians 11, 3, 8, and 9, and it reads, But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a woman is the man, and I didn't like that. And the head of Christ is man, or the head of Christ is God. Verse 8 and 9 read, For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for man. And when I read that, anger and just actually fury rose up with inside of me to think that I was made for a man. So I threw the Bible down the beach. I got up off that blanket, stomped off down the beach and just was fuming toward God, thinking he was a woman hater. And as I walked, I started cooling off and realizing that I was wrong. So I asked the Lord to forgive me and ask him to teach me how to understand his word. Yeah. And God isn't a woman hater at all. Not uh, at all. And, and over the years, the Lord showed you how much oh my gosh, he values yes. and loves and anoints and uses and and, uh, and prospers women. I mean, there's women throughout the Bible where, where God has worked in their lives and he's worked in your life in so many ways. So uh, that lie that the enemy had put in your mind, God freed you of it. He did. And I realized, Jody, that all the stuff that I had been reading about women's liberation, being all by myself during that time, I had just done this to myself. I had Mm. really caused these dumb attitudes to form in my mind that really were not true. So as you're growing in the Lord, um, you know, going to church and in fellowship, Uh, What are some of the things that you and dad did to foster growth, spiritual growth of the faith of our family? Well, one of the things that we really loved doing was to have a family devotion together. And dad started reading the Bible um, and teaching us together. I remember that he did develop a a graph uh, when reading the Old Testament. Do you remember that, Joey? Yeah, there was a big chart and uh, we went through the kings and he had a timeline and put all the kings up there, good or bad, and what happened to them. And it was, I remember that chart even today. And I was, that was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> but it made an impression on me at, at a young age about you know how much wisdom there is in the Bible and how much there is to be learned from the Bible. That was wonderful. And then he saw the need for a family verse for us. And he, when he was reading Joshua, he, he accepted that challenge from Joshua twenty four fifteen, And he, he stated 
that scripture and said, I, I do believe we should receive this as a family scripture and a family covenant. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So 24, Joshua twenty four fifteen is actually our family covenant. Another thing we did, um, we had heard about Tennessee, Georgia Christian family camp. So we went to Tennessee, Georgia Christian camp for several summers for a week at a time where we heard wonderful Bible teaching, experienced wonderful worship, um, prayed together, learned to pray. Some of the teachers were uh, Corey Ten Boom, Derek Prince. Uh, there were just a host of people that uh, proclaimed the word of the Lord. Um, another thing that we did, we read testimony books to you children at the dinner table at night. We would read maybe a ch- chapter or two at a time. We read books like Run, Baby, Run, The Cross and the Switchblade, The Hiding Place, Anointed in, uh, Anointed in Jeru- Appointment in Jerusalem. And we also had been learning scripture songs. So we used to sing scripture songs together. We even did that driving. I do. I remember we used to go drive from Florida up to South Dakota um, in the summers to visit our grandparents who were still there. And uh, that was three long days in a very hot car. But one of the highlights was we would go through scripture and we would sing all the scripture songs. As we came across the scripture, we would all sing it together in the car. It really did make the the car ride go by much quicker. Um, And we played games. And one of the games we played was 20 questions. Bible 20 questions. Bible 20 questions. We could never stump dad, (laughs) but we always tried. (laughs) Besides that, we all went to the, our friends, the Kents, who hosted a weekly prayer meeting for just whoever wanted to come. We would go to that together as a family, which was a great time of fellowship and worship. Yeah, it was. I remember being there and the children and the adults were together, worshiping the Lord together. And the Lord was moving on both the children and the adults. There was no separation by age at that time. And um, I remember seeing God move at a young age and it making a profound impact on me. And that's actually our desire was to include you children in everything we did in the Lord, because we wanted you to have a on your own relationship with the Mm, Lord. Yeah. So during that time, you also began to learn about spiritual warfare and Christ's power in us to defeat the works of Satan. What were a couple of those experiences? Debbie and Mark started going to a Christian school when they were in middle school. And one of the things they did was have Bible class and they were studying the word of God and they studied about Old Testament and New Testament. One of the things they studied was about the occult not to and not to be involved in it. Well, we had purchased a beautiful globe bar when we were in Europe. And um, one day the children were standing around the globe bar looking at it and noticed that there was signs of the Zodiac on this, all over this bar. And they pointed it out to us and were aghast that we would have such a thing in our house. So we decided we'd better get rid of it. So we took all the liquor out, put it in the cupboard. At that time, we still weren't convicted about drinking, Mm -hmm. but we got rid of that uh, globe bar, put it out in the driveway and our neighbor happened to see it. And she, she came over and said, what, asked what we were doing with it. And dad said, we were going to get rid of it. And she said, well, can I buy it? He said, oh no. She said, well, how about if I buy it and you could donate the money to your church? And he said, oh no, I would not sell a snake to a friend. So he put that globe bar in the back of the car and took it out to the Kent's home. 
where people were gathering together their occultic things and we were going to have a bonfire like the book of Acts yeah. spoke about. I remember that bonfire. In, in addition to that, that globe, we also uh, went through the house and anything that we felt convicted about, we, we, pulled, we pulled it off the shelf, books or, you know, albums or cassette tapes or... And you pulled out the Halloween clothes and Halloween things to get rid of that. Uh, no one told you about that one, Jody. You just did that on your own. Yeah, we were convicted con at six. Convicted that, you know, we didn't want anything to do with anything uh, related to Satan, demonic forces, and we got rid of it out of our house. And there was a change in the environment in our home after that. Yeah, there definitely was. There was a time that I hired a piano tuner. We had purchased a an old upright German grand piano when we were in England, which you children took piano lessons on. So when we moved back to Tampa, after moving across the ocean and coming into a different climate, that piano needed to be retuned. So I had asked uh, dad if we could have it retuned and he didn't uh, say anything in the time that I thought he should. So I just went ahead and hired someone on my own without even asking him. I just did it. Well, the man came out that I hired, and as he was tuning the piano, he would visit with me, and he would tell me about these seances that he was attending and some of the weird things that were going on, although he thought they were wonderful. Um, he told me a lot of occultic things, and I would try and squeeze in little testimonies about the Lord, but he was more determined to talk about seances. So after that day of tuning, he said he'd like to come back in two weeks after you children had played the piano for a while and the keys were, or the uh, strings were stretched and he would readjust the tuning. So in two weeks he came back and of course there was more, more stories about the seances and occultic experiences. And anyway, after that he, I paid him and he left. But that night, during the night, I developed a severe side ache which bothered me all night long and into the next day. So I called a friend and asked for prayer. And her husband came out that afternoon. He was uh, in ministry. He prayed for me. And then he suggested that dad pray through our house. So after he left and dad came home, we had dinner and, and went on to bed. And during the night, I just, that side ache started getting so bad. I woke up and encouraged him to take me to the emergency room. So as he was getting dressed to take me to the emergency room, a scripture reference um, came to my attention and I didn't know what it said. I just knew what the reference was and it was from Chronicles. I think it was Second Chronicles 16, 2. So I asked dad if he would please read uh, the Bible just to see what it said. So he stopped getting dressed and he read this scripture and the scripture said, um, Esau talking about King As Esau, he became diseased in his feet and his malady was severe. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians and he died. Mm. And well, after he read that, I thought, mm, maybe we better not go to the hospital. Maybe we just better pray. And then I remembered our friend suggesting that he, that I have Gary, walk around the house and pray. So I mentioned it to him and he, he did. He walked around the house to pray. And as he got into our living room near the piano, the hairs on his arms and legs stood up like static electricity. 
he could feel it. Mm. So anyway, he, he just prayed around the circle of our house, you know, walking around. And he, every time he came past that piano through the living room, he could sense that sensation of static electricity. But as he prayed and commanded spiritual forces of wickedness to leave in the name of Jesus, it became less and less and less. And finally it was gone. So he came back to bed, told me what happened, and we both went to sleep. A couple hours later, I woke up and I just felt like the Lord let me know that I was healed. And I was. It was gone. So I did have a spiritual lesson on that one. Yeah. And it's not that you're against going to the doctors. I mean, not at we've all. all gone to the doctor, but, you know, since then. But this was, you know, seeking the Lord and it was a spiritual issue. It was a spiritual attack on, on you that had been opened up by that piano tuner experience. Well, actually, Jody, what the Lord showed me and reminded me that I had um, ordered that sterling silver in England without mm -hmm. asking mm -hmm. dad. And here I had hired a piano tuner without asking him. But I had been hearing that I should respect and honor my husband and, you know, learn submission. But I also heard that God healed so we experienced that night spiritual warfare. I had opened myself up to that by doing something that I shouldn't have done by hiring that man to come and tune the piano. Yeah, not that you, not that hiring a piano tuner was, was wrong, but no, you it was were doing, my attitude. You were doing it out of defiance. Defiance. Yeah. Yes. So I learned that. And I also learned that God healed and he loved me. Yeah. And he forgave me. And that, that encounter with really, laid a foundation of understanding of how to um, address spiritual forces that we needed a couple years later when we lived in Utah. That's right, Jody. We moved into a haunted house, actually purchased a haunted house unknowingly. Um, we didn't realize it was haunted, but I experienced depression in that house. And sometimes during the day when everyone else was gone, I, I just felt like crying. It was not like me. And then Debbie was experiencing insomnia. She was on the swim team in high school and uh, needed her sleep, but she couldn't sleep well. So it was a real strain for her to <laughs> participate on the swim team without sleeping. And then one night, uh, Mark, whose basement was down in the lower part of the house in the basement, came upstairs to the bathroom. And when he was going back down the steps, he just fenced that if he went down those steps, he'd go crazy. And Mark wasn't like that. He was a very stable, sharp guy. So he came upstairs to our bedroom and explained to us what was happening. So we just told him to go sleep in one of the other single beds upstairs and we'd pray about it. Well, we did pray about it. And while we were praying, um, this was dad and I, when we were praying, we had a mini vision of imps with coal sacks on their backs. So we felt like maybe the next day we should just pray through our house, which we did do. All five of us uh, prayed through our house, starting down in the basement right next to the furnace, which had been a coal furnace at one time and converted to a gas furnace. Yeah, you, so we actually had a coal room back and in we there. We did. It was a storage room. So we actually started praying in that storage room and commanded those spiritual forces of wickedness and named them, named them according to what we felt like they were, commanded them to leave in the name of Jesus. 
walked through every room of the house doing the same thing. Then uh, we anointed the doors with oil and went to the ends of our property, each corner of the property, anointed it with oil and prayed scripture over each, each one, dedicating our property and home to the Lord. And peace returned. It did. I remember that. I remember doing that. And, and actually, I've, I have followed that in every home I've lived in since, since I moved out, my dorm rooms, my hotel rooms, everywhere. You know, the Lord says that where the soles of your feet trod, he has given to us. And so I take authority of my home. You know, when I move into a new home or apartment, I pray through it and anoint the doors with oil and hotel rooms so that any lingering spirits that are not of God have to leave and I can live in peace. We actually do the same thing, Jody. That was a, a learning experience that we've continued to this day. Yeah. Actually, when we travel as well, every place we sleep, we claim that place for the Lord. Yeah. So the Lord was also teaching you about personal prayer and and corporate prayer, and you've seen him direct your steps. Tell us a little bit about some of the things you've prayed for and seen God answer, some of the answers to prayer. One of the things that happened when David was little, we had moved to Hampton, Virginia. We were renting a home in a cul-de-sac that had about six or seven children his age, six of them being boys his age. He happened to have a birthday and in the late summer, after we moved there and we invited all these children to the party. At that time, the big thing to play with was Masters of the Universe toys. So David had gotten Masters of the Universe figurines from these little children as birthday gifts when they came to his party. That night after the party, we had all gone to bed. David was awakened with fear and he came into our bedroom shaking he was afraid. So we didn't know what was going on. So we got up and went downstairs and went into the kitchen, had him sit on the counter and drink some warm milk. And we prayed with him. And while we were praying, it came to us that uh, he had taken all these masters of the universe, um, little figures up into his room, and that it was some kind of a spiritual presence that was bothering him that came along with those things. So we went upstairs, got them, took them out and put them in the garbage. And we uh, prayed with David. And then a scripture reference came to me. I didn't know what it was. So I looked it up. It was Psalm 4.8. And the scripture read, I will lie down in peace and sleep for God the Lord provides safety. We had David memorize that scripture afterwards or during the days after that and would pray that scripture with him and then tuck him into bed at night, and he got the victory over that fear. But the other children actually came back. The children in our neighborhood came back the day after the birthday party to play with David's Masters of the Universe figures, and I told them that I had to throw them in the garbage, and they couldn't quite understand that. I did invite a teenager to our home that led a Bible class, summer Bible class, so I invited the children, these children to our home for a, a week of summer Bible. Good, actually, it was called the Good News Club. Mm -hmm. We had a week of Good News Club at our house, and this teenager was just great with children and at the end of the week invited anyone who wanted to receive Jesus as their Savior to do so and prayed with them. And each one of those children received Christ. So that incident with the, with the, toys. Masters, <laughs> yeah, the toys turned about to be a really 
evangelistic tool in the end that yeah. brought those children to the Lord. Yeah. And the, some of the prayers, I mean, I know, boy, you, you, you prayed me through some rough patches in my life, but do you also saw some other answers to prayer? What were those? Well, the Lord showed me, uh, actually, my authority in prayer when I was reading the story about the centurion who had come to Jesus requesting prayer for his servant. And he acknowledged to Jesus that he was a man under authority and that when he told those under him to go, they would go and when to come, they would come. So he knew that Jesus had authority as well over um, situations. So he asked Jesus to heal a servant and Jesus did. He healed him. And through that scripture, I realized that if I stayed under authority, those that were in authority over me uh, and in good relationship with people, I had authority in prayer in the name of Jesus. So I, it was amazing how the scripture is a teacher to us if we'll read the word and put it into practice and apply it in our own lives. There's growth and there's authority in prayer. I remember singing a scripture about all the promises, you know, the promises of God. I remember singing a hymn about that in earlier years. And actually that really took root in my life because I started praying the promises of God, which are scripture references or scriptures. Yeah. There was a health crisis uh, in, in our family at one point. Debbie, my older sister's third child had a health crisis when she was born. And I know the Lord really showed you some things in prayer through that. Share that story. Yes, actually, uh, Debbie called us during the night after Cecily had been born and they uh, needed to take this little tot to a hospital in Denver, transferred her to Denver. So they asked if I would come out and stay with their two younger children while they went to the hospital. So I flew the next day to Colorado and while I was in the airplane, I was reading the Bible and a scripture just um, came across to my path as I was reading and it just seemed to highlight it. It was from Psalm 6820 and it said, our, our God is a God of salvation and to God the Lord belongs escapes from death. Mm. So I sensed that there was going to be an escape for Cecily from death. Well, anyway, I, I agreed with that scripture and prayed about it in the airplane. Well, then when I got to Colorado, Debbie and Jeff, you know, were up in the, had to go to the hospital and stay there. And I stayed with their two younger children, Natalie and Nicole, who at that time were two and four. And they used to listen to Mr. Donut Man videos and different fun things for children to hear and see. One night during the night while I was there, I woke up with a song from the Donut Man video running through my head. And the song was, God is a master builder. He is building me. He builds with stuff that comes from heaven with tools you cannot see. And it was, uh, the song was children's voices singing this. This is what I heard in my ear, in my inner ear. And I just had the confidence that God was doing a work of healing in Cecily that nobody could see. Mm. But God was doing a supernatural work. And to this day, that young woman is now married, is uh, in her early 20s, has a husband and a little baby of her own. And she's perfectly healthy, perfectly fine, and living a full life. Yeah, what an answer to prayer. And uh, boy, I know that you sure prayed for spouses, for yes, all of us, all of your children. 
which I am the beneficiary of, a godly spouse, not just any spouse, but um, those are interesting stories. Each one, share just a little of those. I did. I share. I prayed scripture promises for each one of each one of you. And uh, Debbie actually went on a mission trip, short term mission trip, at one point in her late twenties. Still a single girl, but um, went on this trip and just happened to be assigned to the same team as a young man that she ended up falling in love with. And he had come from the United States as well to join this team. They ended up getting married and moving to Colorado. And this is uh, Cecily's mom and dad. Mm -hmm. Then Mark, Mark was actually a CPA. And he just had a desire to go on to get a degree at Regent University. He wanted a a Master of Divinity degree. So he went up to Regent University to go to school. And it just happened that there was a lovely young woman going to school there, getting a master's in education. Who was my best friend at the time. That's right. You introduced him, I think. (laughs) And they ended up getting married. And then you and Ron actually met in New York City. Yes, we did. He had a job interview that you were privy to Mm -hmm. with your boss. And I had actually prayed for a husband for you that you would meet while you were traveling because you traveled so much. You were part of a a organization that did a lot of disaster relief. Sure enough, here was this man that you met on the job that ended up being hired and had an office right across the hall from you, I think. Yes, yes. We got to know one another that way. And the Lord ended up... You got married. Yeah, we ended up getting married. And then our younger son, David, uh, went to West Point, And he happened to, through various means, meet the daughter of one of the instructors uh, at West Point. And after David graduated, he and this uh, young woman got married. Actually, the week after graduation. Yeah. And it is wonderful because uh, all of... You're all married to believers. We're all married to believers. So it is it is wonderful that the Lord answers those prayers when we pray in faith and we're in alignment with his will. And, and praying for godly spouses for your children is definitely in line with his will. Mom, you mentioned that throughout your life, you know, you the Bible has been an important part of your life. And whenever you happen to be stationed anywhere, you always found a Bible study to be a part of. How significant has that been in your walk with the Lord? Well, it was actually very important, Jody. I had such a hunger for the word after I was originally saved that I sought out a Bible study and heard I had joined a Bible study fellowship in Tampa. Um, so I did that the whole time we were in Tampa as well as, you know, attending church. This was after I became a believer. And then when we moved to Utah, I found a Bible study there called Explorer's Bible Study that was designed the same way, the same format, more or less, as Bible Study Fellowship, where you just study the Word of God. Mm. You don't do politics. You don't talk churches. You don't do commentaries. You study the Word, share the Word, and have a teaching leader teach the scripture that you had just been studying over the week. Then when we moved to Hampton, Virginia, I got into community Bible study, which was located in Norfolk, which is a sister city. So I attended that. When we were in Boston, I wasn't part of a Bible study, but I used to listen to Derek Prince teaching tapes Mm. and other teachers on tapes. So I grew in the Lord 
because I sought out good, sound Bible teachers to listen to so that I could learn how to apply the Word of God to my own life. Yeah. And as you look back at those early decades with the Lord, what are some of the key truths that helped you through all the transitions and change that come with military life? Well, one of the things was, uh, you know, knowing and studying the Word of God, I, I could see that I could call upon the Lord and He answered. Um, I had great, great trust in the Lord developed through those years. Um, I prayed and prayers were answered. I just can't say enough about God's word, knowing God's word, applying God's word and praying because God is a faithful God. Yes. And I always appreciated that you and dad would talk about the issues that you were facing and how you prayed and how God answered. And, you know, that's another principle in the word that says, thank the Lord for what he's done for you. Yes. And when you tell others about what God's done, that's showing appreciation and thankfulness for what he's done because you're declaring his goodness and his faithfulness. Well, there's a whole lot more to your story, which we're going to save for our next episode. But as we end this one, share about a woman in the Bible who's inspired, encouraged, or taught you something. There was a woman in the Bible that I enjoyed reading about and appreciated learning from, but she wasn't even given a name in the Bible. Her name was, or she was referred to as Manoah's wife. And she had an encounter with an angel of the Lord that had come to her and acknowledged to her that she was barren and that she was going to have a son and also warned her at that time not to drink a wine nor eat anything unclean. So after that happened, she scurried to find her husband and tell him that she had seen this man of God. So her husband prayed about it and said, you know, man of God, if there is a man of God that came to my wife, let her come again, Lord. So sure enough, Manoah's wife was in a field and the angel of the Lord visited her again. And she asked the angel of the Lord if he would please stay right there so she could go get her husband, which she did do. So she and Manoah went to see the man, the angel of the Lord and asked the angel of the Lord how they were supposed to take care of the son that they were supposed to have. And uh, could they please uh, offer a an offering, um, a burnt offering. And the angel of the Lord acknowledged that they could, but would not eat anything. So as they offered up this burnt offering, the angel of the Lord just went on up into heaven, I believe. Mm -hmm. So I learned from that the importance of praying together with my husband, ask him about revelations that I had received or questions that I needed to know. I just learned that it was very important to be on the same page with my husband, trusting in the Lord together. And we learned to relate to one another in the Lord in a deeper way than we'd ever be done before. Once I had the right attitude and had a heart for the Lord. Mm. Romans 8, 31 and 32 and 37 in the New Living Translation says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who could ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. As a child of the Most High God who loves you with a greater love than you can comprehend, God is for you. 
over and over again in Mary's story, you heard how God is for her and how he gave her what she needed at just the right time. He does the same for all those who look to him and call on his name, and he will do the same for you. Mom, would you take a moment and pray for everyone who's listening? Well, Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, the name above every name. Father, I pray for those that are listening today. Lord, I pray that all the worries, the cares, the anxieties that any of them might be carrying right now and feeling, Lord, I pray that they'd be able to roll these things onto your shoulders and just give them to you. Mm -hmm. So, Father, I just thank you that we can roll our cares upon you because you care for us. Father, I thank you that we cry out to you and come to you in faith in the name of Jesus, that you do hear and that you do answer prayer. Lord, I thank you that your mercies are new every morning. And Father, I pray that your great mercy will cover each person that is listening today, that they would be comforted by you, that they would be encouraged by you, that they would be cared for you by you. And Lord, I pray that you would meet them right at the point of their need, even today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Our next episode will be a continuation of Mary's story, and you won't want to miss how God has invited her to be a part of what he's doing in places like Mongolia and right here in the U.S. too. You know, friends, there are widows and orphans all over the world who need to experience the tangible expression of God's love right now. Many have special needs that we as a company of women can meet together. Would you consider joining us with a special gift to help? Just go to hergodstory.org and click on the Orphan and Widow tab at the top of the page. And thank you for tuning in. Check out our show notes at hergodstory.org to find scriptures and other information we talked about. And don't forget to sign up for our emails and get a six-week devotional book that you can download for free on Women of the Bible. Or you may want to purchase a 12-week devotional on Women of the Bible for just $12, knowing that all the proceeds will go to our Widow and Orphan Fund. We'd love to pray with you on our 24-7 prayer line. So give us a call anytime at 855-459-CARE. Or email us at prayer at somebodycares.org. And now, dear friends, I bless you from Ephesians 1, 17 through 21. May God, our glorious Father, give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. May the eyes of your heart be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his inglorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realm, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. May you know that power. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.